Hey guys, before we get started, we just want to throw a little something in the beginning of the episode. This is our one-year anniversary episode, or around the one-year anniversary when we first let out our first episode, which is really fucking cringy, so if you want to go back and listen to that, feel free. <laughs> we reviewed seven Texas Chainsaw Massacres in one episode. We're redeeming ourselves in October, though, so don't worry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but before we started, we just wanted to say thank you to anybody who's taken the chance to listen to our show. Um, if this is your first time listening... We hope you enjoyed this episode. and Go listen to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. Don't listen to that one. Anybody who's taken the time to talk horror with us, I mean, that's why we started doing this, is to meet people with the same interests that we had. And we've really met some great people. Larry, who's on this episode that we are about to do. John Hoover. John. Sylvester Barzi. El Jose. Nathaniel Ingram. David Osu. David Garrett. Yeah, so many people. So uh, thank you guys. Uh, if you've listened to us from when we started... Thank you. If this is your first episode and you're just tuning in, thank you. If you've liked one of our pictures on Instagram, thank you. Literally any way that you've supported the show, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. And thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to Horror Haven Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. I'm Erica. Hey, I'm Steve. I'm Larry. <laughs> you always do that again. Uh, you, you want more energy? Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm Larry. Perfect. Was that better? Yeah. Thanks. Way better. Thanks. I feel I feel better now. You always do it really great, so that really just like made like I was waiting for it when hold up, hold, everybody else hold. said hi, I'm blah blah blah, and you were just like I'm Larry. What the fuck? <laughs> this is bullshit. Uh, here, I'll give you another one. <laughs> I'm Larry. That one. That's we're the one. It. That's keeping the one. It. We're keeping Perfect. it. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Skeletor. Today we're wrapping up our decades in horror series with the 1920s. We're going to be covering The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Um, we no longer have John. January is over, so we brought Chunky Larry on as the start of February. So, enjoy. February? Yeah. I see what you did there, Dylan. Uh, good sneaking. Uh, 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 fun fact, my birthday is in February, and uh, this is the last that you guys hear me in February. Wait, wait, when's your birthday, Larry? Can we sing you happy birthday? It's on the 19th. Can we'll be on the hall. Can we sing you happy birthday in the next episode that I see you yeah. before your birthday? Yeah. So, okay. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, it came out in, uh, well, it was filmed, I guess, in 1920, but it was released on March 19, 1921. It was directed by Robert Ween. Uh, the cinematography was done by Willie Heimsider. Uh, it was produced by Eric Palmer and Rudolf Meinert. The screenplay was done by Carl Moyer and Hans Jonowitz. The cast... What a dick! <laughs> <laughs> Back to the penis jokes. It's only been three seconds. Uh, the cast is uh, Caesar, who is played by Conrad Veidt, uh, Dr. Caligari, who is Warner Krauss, um, Jane Olsen, who is Lily Dagover, Francis, who is Frederick Ferrer, and then Alan, who is Hans Heinrich von Twardowski. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Nailed it. I documented, a.k.a. Dan, because Alan looks like Dan. <laughs> and I'll send you my notes if you don't believe that I wrote that. Yeah, I'm going to pull up a picture later when I go out to the living room. It, I, I'm going to be like, yo, like Dan. Dan. Like, he popped up, and I was like, why the fuck does that look like Dan? <laughs> um... There was also a film that was released in 1962 called The Cabinet of Dr. Ca Dr. Caligari. However, it is not the same fucking movie, and I wrote that in big bold letters. Uh, and it was not a remake, but it had the same exact name. And this movie predates Nosferatu. It does. Okay, yeah, I was curious about that. Dylan, take it away. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, it's a silent film. It's very quiet. Yeah, that's, so what differs this movie from the other movies we've covered is it is a silent film. Um, it's considered by many to be the first horror film, and it's also considered to be the first psychological horror film. Um, it 
I don't know what version you guys watched. Um, the first time I ever watched this movie, I watched the one with the, sh- the cell shading, so they would change, like, if it was daytime, it, it was yellow, if it was night, it was blue. Um, they would throw some, like, reds in there. Green. And I would like to document this as the birth of my obsession with color in film. Even though it was a black and white movie and it's just cell shading. He, he, he had <laughs> class in college, so he yeah. knows. It was really good, though, in, like, comparison to, like, our... Me and Dylan had that obsession with uh, Suspiria for, like, Mad Long. And it differs. It's very similar. Obviously, it's totally different technique. You're third, yeah. fucking, like, 40 years apart. But um, with the cell shading, it's kind of, like, a similar, like, feel to it. Like, you're getting that daytime feel or the nighttime feel. But the reds, like, it's it, it gives it, like, a more eerie feel. Like, you're getting what they were trying like the anger or the frustration or whatever negative like, sort of energy. I didn't like out. watching the yellow scenes. It made me like. How many times did you guys watch this? <laughs> I've seen it. Uh, yeah. I've... This was my first time watching it. I watched it three fucking times. <laughs> <laughs> this was my first time. It was my first time watching it too, but I legit watched it three times back. Have then. you seen it before, Larry? Uh, this was also my first time I watched it after we had did. Uh, the episode that we did on Creature Features that the two of you were on, like literally after we were done uh, recording, I popped it on because I knew that this was coming up and I enjoyed it so much that I also watched it three times. And I also watched the- um, <laughs> I wanna say it was the, the 2002 maybe, uh, the remake that was done where they actually used dialogue and it's got like name actors in it. it it's fucking kind of the most pretentious thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I was um, actually thinking about that. I didn't I didn't know, honestly, that they made a, a remake of it. And I was thinking about it today as something that I wanted to bring up is that I don't think that this movie would work as a remake because I think a lot of what gives it, like, the eeriness to it is just, A, the fucking filming that had to be done at the time, the way that they had filmed everything, and, uh, B, just the fact that it was a silent film and it... it it is it's an art piece. Yeah. It's an art piece completely on its own. So looking into it, um, they they coin it as the quintessential definition piece of German expressionalism in cinema. Yes. Um, and German ex- uh, expression expressionism is an artic. I can't fucking read. Is <laughs> an artistic genre uh, that originated in Europe in the 19th and it's defined as the rejection of Western uh, conventions and the depiction of reality that is widely distorted or for emotional effects. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Um, I think when we did our Universal Monsters episode, the first time we did it, um, it it was this big thing that had gone on and it was really what birthed horror films was... uh, it was, um, Germany was kind of angry, obviously, after World War One, and they put out these, like, really dark films, and it would, it's what heavily influenced, like, the birth of the Universal Monsters, so. You can definitely see that, and, uh, the underlying theme of this movie is the distrust for authority. Authority, um, yeah. Dr. Caligari was made to represent German soldiers who would brainwash... Or no, general. The, mili- the yeah, military the that military would brainwash the soldiers. soldiers. Yeah, uh, see, that's who Caesar was supposed to represent the was soldiers. the soldiers that were being conditioned to kill by the German military. So the re- the reason that they actually added in the ending, the twist ending, that it was all in Alan's head at the end, was because they didn't want it to be very obvious. Yeah, like get backlash yeah. for it. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, the first time I watched it, I knew immediately. Like because because this is a a launching point for a lot of films that have come since it, you know people borrow from this and and you can see elements of a lot of the films that you love watching the film uh, as as you're watching and just from a story structure standpoint, when he starts breaking into the story in the beginning where he's explaining that he's going to tell the story to this man and you see uh, the woman walking by but she's completely vacant. I knew that he was in an institution. When they brought it to an institution I was like okay here it goes. I thought it was going to happen sooner than it did uh, but the 
them giving a resolution to the Caligari storyline and then him wrapping it up and bringing it back there I thought was much more effective also uh, framing wise there's there's a couple of sequences in this film just from a framing standpoint that are like light years ahead of everything that kind of comes kind of post that uh, specifically the scene where Caesar goes to kidnap or murder the girl ends up kidnapping her uh, and you you have that foreground background shot like it's that shit's too perfect yeah. for something this early on and it it has almost at several points while watching this film I thought that they could have easily you know stopped what they were doing and had him look at the screen and and i felt legitimately genuinely the first time i watched it the dread that at some point he was going to stop what he was doing and look directly at the camera and it, there there's something just very haunting about the this dude who's and uh, while i'm watching the movie all i could think of was uh that this is like the prototypical emo kid. <laughs> I think Sierra said like this was every kid in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I I while watching the the first scene, uh, I was thinking to myself, uh, one day my father took me into the city <laughs> to see the omnibus. <laughs> so my cameo. <laughs> <laughs> Did My Calgarian romance. <laughs> no, I the first time I watched this, I was actually really surprised by the ending, and I remember thinking, like, fuck, this is, like, big for being one of the, like, earliest movies in general. It's probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. To have, like, a twist ending like that at the end, it, it really blew me away. And I think that's kind of why it shocked me so much, because it, I wasn't expecting something that major to be in such an early film yeah. because a lot of the movies and we've talked about it too um, over the last few weeks a lot of the older movies the plots are very cut and dry but this is such a like deeper film um, which we've discussed like just going back on some of the other films that we've covered this month the the earlier movies while like still cinematic like um, in a from like a a visual standpoint or even just like a movie standpoint, they're they're very well done movies. The depth of them is like incredible, and I think that's such a cool thing considering that they're very early. You know, they're very early films, and it's amazing that they were able to hold their depth. And then, as you transition kind of into like the fifties and sixties, you're. St it's not that they lose their depth, but there's no like underlying meaning there like all of the movies that we've like i guess the 20s the 30s and even the 40s like we discussed with the in the 40s with like cat people was the the mental illness and then in the 30s you know we were discussing with freaks like just the, the way that yeah, yeah everything about it and then we get into the 20s and we're back to that whole like the whole concept of of mental health and i think that that just Again, it goes back to, to what I was saying, like with earlier films, they focus a lot on on creatures and stuff. It, it, and this is just how I felt. I always said that like the earlier films, they focused on creatures and stuff because there wasn't any real human horror yet. They weren't exposed to the things that we're exposed to today. And the reality that's not necessarily like, true. Well, going like looking uh, at it now. Dr. Caligari is is coming off of the First World War, you know. Yeah, uh, no, but I'm saying, it, like, I guess, like, my, my thinking behind it is more like serial killers, not necessarily, like, wars not, and stuff like that, but... It's not put out, like, as, it's not as easy to find that information then as it is now. Like, it's constantly thrown at you through the internet, media, whatever, whereas at that point most of that information was not yeah it, that's public. that's where i was going i wasn't i wasn't trying to like play down like obviously like the world war 1 and and stuff like that cuz i those are definitely different horrors all on their own i guess what i'm saying is like more modern horror movies play off of of like serial killers and murderers and i think that that's that's why the the earlier movies were monsters because it was still 
sort of believable that those were those things were still scary to them. Whereas nowadays, you, your monster movies aren't aren't scary, in my opinion. Okay. And uh, to to go off of that, you could think of things like uh, Little Red Riding Hood or Dracula. Uh, Little Red Riding Hood is straight up about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about a serial murderer who follows a girl home, wears her grandmother's skin as an excuse to murder her. And Dracula, which predates cinema, is a film or a story about an ancient killer that cannot die that feasts on the virginal. Like, there's... As long as people have told stories, there's always been this element of darkness, and it's not reflect... I mean, uh, cinema is reflective on the times that the that the art was created. And you're always going to have some allegorical reference to things that are going on in that time. And in this film specifically, uh, visually representations or the visual representations of the authoritarian figures are, you know, showing the artistics, um, disgust and distrust of authoritarian figures. And, and that's, that's true in the sense that this is the birth of expressionism and this is one of the best examples of expressionism and surrealism and and one of the things that really fucking works about this movie is the backgrounds the atmospheres the fact that mm-hmm. even even when you know you're outside you're never really outside and and they make it very clear that you're never actually outside and uh Specifically, I think about the scene uh, where Caligari is running away or when Caesar is kidnapping the girl. You know, they're going up these slopes and then down the other sides of these slopes, but they're all angled. And and that's that's to me the true testament of what this film is, is being able to bend the confines of, of the rules. Because at that point, there aren't necessarily a shit ton of rules that need to be adhered to. Uh, you know, they're in essence, you know, charting new territory and creating the rules as they go along. And that's why you see things like uh, the movement of Caligari being echoed in Nosferatu and in Frankenstein is that, you know, this is this is the catalyst for all of these things. And, you know, something has to be the first. This just happens to be exceptional. Yeah, no, absolutely. And adding to what you said a little bit, first off, I want to go back because ever since you said you were waiting for Caesar to like look at the camera, I'm just picturing the part where he's standing over the girl and he starts doing that fucking creepy smile. Yo, if he would have looked right at the camera while doing that, that would have been fucking nightmare fuel. Yeah, you're not yeah. kidding. Um, but second off, yeah, talking about the sets a little bit, um, it's a big part of the atmosphere of the movie for sure. I mean... Uh, every building you have is like triangular or like odd shaped, slanted. You have all the windows are painted on. And I think it really adds to the overall theme, too. Like looking back on it, knowing that it's all in this guy's head and he's in this mental hospital, it's almost kind of makes sense that it would be that way because, like you said, Larry, he's never really like you're never really outside. You don't feel like you're outside. And for him to be putting this picture together in his mind of all this stuff that supposedly happened, you know, that's exactly what you would expect. If it's all in his head, you're getting the idea from a crazy person. You're getting, you're seeing it through his eyes. I, uh, like going kind of like touching base back on what Larry said, and he, he put that really, really well, like going over what you were saying. And it kind of, kind of changed my mind, I guess, a little bit on, on my views on some of like the earlier, the earlier films. And I'm really glad that you put it that way or that you brought that up. I like that. Um, and, uh, I like, sorry, I like I, when you challenge my thinking. I, I, I just to, to go further off of the, the visual direction and the interpretation based on being inside of his mind, as opposed to being in reality. When he's telling the story, Caligari's face is drawn on. All of the lines and everything are, are added, and he it's it's clearly like a, a like a heavy, almost prosthetic style of makeup that's applied to its face. All of the lines and everything, the shadows, all of that is added onto his face. But then when he's the one inside of the um, mental institution, A, uh, when he's dragged to his room, it mirrors 
exactly when Caligari's dragged to his room um, and, you know, confined. It's the exact same shot. But also when he's the one being dragged to the room, uh, Caligari does not have that makeup on his face when he's just the director of this institution. Mm-hmm. And he almost has a... Talking about the makeup, Sierra actually brought that up when we were watching it, too. If you look, too, at times where it's, like, farther away from him, he has his eyes drawn on, like, over his over his actual eyes, and it just adds this creepiness to it because it gives you this look. Because, you know, the film's so distorted that you can't really see exactly, but it almost looks like he has these huge, huge eyes. And I think that everything that wor- they did in this movie whether it be that they chose to do it that way or as far as filming techniques, it worked perfectly to give this movie the feel that they were going for or maybe that they weren't even actually going for, but it works. And this is why I said I don't think it would work to be remade because you're not going to get that small detail that ends up being creepy almost 100 years later. This movie is almost 100 years old. So. Well, that was, like, the backgrounds, like, all of the backgrounds and, like, all of the, the props and stuff, you could see, like, cubists work in them, but then, like, the windows and stuff were very much, like, um, like, Salvador Dali and that, like, whole surrealist thing. And that's why, like, when it came to the end and I, like, you kind of, you, obviously, like, you, you get to the end of the movie and you realize that all of this is in his head, it was, it made... It, it literally tied the whole movie together for me at that point. Like, everything about the movie, it, 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 which was, it was really crazy for me because it literally, like, when you think of an ending to a movie, you think of it usually just tying, like, for me anyway, I think of it just tying together all of, all of the plot points or everything, and it just, it's the ending of the story. So it's tying all those, like, loose ends together. But for me, the ending of this movie, like, it made everything about the entire movie from the sets and the the makeup choices and everything, like, all just come together. And I thought that that was a really interesting quality, and it's definitely not something that I've seen before. Yeah, uh, I gotta say, like, the my biggest takeaway from this was the actual set design and everything. Like, the way everything was so weirdly angled and stuff, it almost felt like you were in this, like, dream world. So I think, like... You know, the ending reveal really helps connect the dots there because I just couldn't help. But sometimes I had to really focus on the story because I was just so taken back with the set and how everything. Now, did they shoot this at like weird angles, too, or is that just how they like designed everything? Because it was just crazy looking. It feels like they framed it uh, slightly off center where it's not it's not flat. It's kind of just lightly tilted to the side to okay. kind of frame line that 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 curve because usually uh, and and I think of uh, specifically the evil dead uh, the scene where they're at the bridge and they're walking across the bridge but he's he's like the car's in one way but he's going kind of crossways across it I don't know if that's something that sticks out to you guys but that was one of the first things that I automatically like registered while I was watching uh, specifically like the, the scene where uh, the friend is murdered and they do the, the silhouette of the stabbing uh, when it, when it's leading into that, that's what I was thinking. And, and the, the building of tension is like, it's phenomenal. The, the amount of tension that they're able to build without doing a hell of a lot. And it's, and it's the minimalism that really, you know, it, there's there's an overall feel of the film while you're watching it. The, this this sense of dread just because of the the backgrounds, because of the colors, the use of the colors, but then the framing and the timing of the cuts, which it, it's something that wasn't a, a standardized thing at that point. Uh, the the idea of playing with time, where you start at the end and it, it leads into the story and then you come back to that point that wasn't done there there's a there's a flashback in the middle of him telling this story which in essence is a flashback that that use of playing with time did not exist up to that point and you 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 also think of something like specifically when he 
he goes into the woods and he's being tormented by these voices they're calling him and they're visually represented by them writing commands along the frame itself you know writing caligari on on the frame itself is is something that was never done and you know it's it's like a world away from what films were up to this point. I'll put. Um, I think that um, some of the things that stuck out to me is um, with the filming especially is that the lens was seemed like it was purposely distorted. It seems like they used a rounded lens to create distortion around the edges of the, the picture and frame it out more. It was also filmed more so like a stage play than what you would think a movie would be filmed as. Uh, the sets were also made similar to that sets a stage play because if you watch a stage play typically the sets are not proper sizes to the actors in it like you'll notice that it's not uh what's the word that's escaping yeah it's not proportionate um which makes sense i mean it's an early film so i mean it was you know these movies are clearly directly influenced by how they did theatrical presentations so, uh, and you notice too is like anytime they showed like the circus or whatever it was, the town, uh, when people walk down into the town, they're going downstairs. Yeah. Back and forth to make it seem like they're walking down like a path down like a hill. Uh, that's very, that, that was like the, for me, the first thing that I was like, yeah, this is definitely, they took direct influence from stage productions. Mm hmm. Which I think works for it, though, because yeah. it plays back on the whole concept that it's in his head. Yeah. And, it and I, I think that works for it really well. The, it, it, it shows its age. You know what I mean? Yeah. It shows that, you know, this this movie was made at a time where they were still figuring out film. But it's cool, though, because it's like they... It shows its age, but at the same time, it, it still works today to mm-hmm. give it that atmosphere. It's not something that you watch now and mm-hmm. you just kind of, like, laugh because you're like, wow, that's, like, kind of... Funny. Yeah, that's kind yeah, of no, funny it, how they it, did that. It's like um, they worked with what they had. They didn't know how to exactly get the feel that they were going for, but they figured it out through what they had and what they were able to work with. And they used different tricks to make an eerie vibe. It wasn't, you know, and we can't even say it's the music because in the version we watched, it's not the music that was there. It's not the original mm-hmm. music for it. So to cut out the sound completely, take the sound out completely, and you still have a visually. Um, appealing movie and they did that through the lens distortions the set design you know um the acting the the over dramatic makeup uh all of that and i think that it was really highly thought out even more so than we even realized wait so the version you guys watched uh didn't have like the crazy like organ playing or none of that I, there's like there's if you go on because we watched it on YouTube it's public domain like there's a billion different copies of the movie on YouTube okay uh, we we watched clips from like a, a bunch of different we, versions yeah, we, but yeah. we wa- the one we watched I think they did it in um I want to say it was 1999 uh 96 was the one that with I, the color slides yeah so it was done in 96 so um I mean there were parts where there's organs playing there was parts where there was this fucking groovy ass jazz bass playing like <laughs> okay I didn't, I didn't get that one but the opening organ and everything was just very haunting and I loved it yeah the the, the beginning the in the one we watched it has really eerie music playing yeah it's like really it. creepy music and I, I remember and it's perfect too because it's the scene where he's t- telling the man I'm gonna tell you the story uh, you won't believe what me and my love have lived through whatever and she's like walking like really hauntingly like Truly, towards yeah. them through like the, the the walkway there. And there's just like this like really like bone chilling music playing. Like yeah. it, it honestly I'm so glad that we're doing it follows right behind us because the music in that room really brought me back to it follows like the the really good theatrical music, but mm-hmm. like it was really super One eerie. of the ones that I watched oh, had perfect. very like more like upbeat music to it. And it, it kind kills of like the movies we covered last week. <laughs> yeah, but it, like it kills, it <laughs> totally kills. Like it kind of kills like the mood a little bit because mm. it's it, overall like because the music, it, like we said, we've seen how many of them, and they all seem to have something a little bit different about them. Um, but that one was probably my my least favorite because it was very like. I don't know. It was the just a little is, too up, yeah. uplifting or, like, a little too cheery for what it was, and I think it made it just a little less creepy and freaky than it was if 
watching the other one that because I, I watch the same yeah. one that you guys watch. Mm-hmm. If you watch the one with the color slides, I think that it has a little. Um, uh, how am I going to say this? I think I think it makes the the storyline makes more sense because it does clarify day and night, mm-hmm. which it's hard to tell because. Um, oh, that's another thing with the sets. The sun, the sun rays are painted onto the sets. Yep. So if you're watching the movie, it looks like there's sun mm. shining through, but it's a light, and then they painted lighter and darker shades on the walls mm-hmm. to make it look like the sun's hitting it. I don't know if you guys caught that, but I thought it was really cool. But um, they clarify day and night using color filters. Which it's funny because uh, the first time I watched this, I didn't pick up on that until you mentioned it when we were watching it, and you're like, I think yellow represents daytime. I thought it was just switching between different color shades. And then there's the part where they're in the uh, mental hospital at the end, and they sneak into Dr. Caligari's lab, and it's, like, blue, and then it just flashes yellow real quick. And I was like, oh, fuck, they just turned the light on. Like, this makes perfect yeah, sense so now. Yeah, so every time there's, like, they, they turn it, they change the color from blue to yellow, and it's, like, a darker, like... It's like the blue scenes are darker and the yellow scenes are brighter. So I think they attempted it when it was when it originally came out, but I think it didn't read as well. So I think adding the um, fil- the color filters over it really um, made it a little bit easier to understand. If um, you know, you, like, because there's there's no point where they're like, oh, it's daytime. Yeah. Oh, it's nighttime. <laughs> oh, it's daytime. It's nighttime. You know. Uh, so. Watching it with that, it clarified. The first I'm, time I I'm watched bleeding. this movie... <laughs> my neck. <laughs> the first time I watched this movie, it was like... I think that added to like my love for the movie, too. Was, um, I, I took a film class in college, and uh, it was in this like auditorium, basically, but it was set up like a movie theater. Like It had the theater chairs, and they were fucking layered up. And uh, I had never heard of this movie, and this class, we watched a lot of... Um, a lot of the classics like Citizen Kane and M and they, they were great movies I enjoyed them for what they were but I was always you know super into horror so I didn't know what this movie was I go into class one day and my professor's like yo we're gonna watch The Cabinet and Dr. Caligari I have no I have no explanation to what this movie is I have no I don't know if it's a horror, you know. At, at this point, like I said, we would just watch, like, Citizen Kane, which is a drama. Like, I, that's what I'm expecting. And this movie came on, and I was blown the fuck away. What are you guys doing? Throwing paper balls at each other? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I think the creep factor... <laughs> the creep factor still really holds up to this day. Like, I love that shot of, like... The shadow of Caesar stabbing. Uh, what was his name? Alan. It was Alan that he's stabbing. Oh, that it just seems like such an iconic shot now, and like so, redone so many times later. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's really set the groundwork for like everything that we know that is horror, and it's just crazy to see like the early adaptation of like those shots and everything. You guys want to get into ratings? Oh yeah, sure. Are we already there? I mean, what do, you, do you guys want to talk about yeah, anything else? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> realize how... Yeah. Well, I mean, in the defense, totally... we're an hour in, but 20 minutes is dick talk that's going to get cut out. So. <laughs> <laughs> you should make that an extra episode. Oh, I, it will be. <laughs> we're going to have to do, like, a bloopers reel on, like, our two-year anniversary or something. All right, Larry, we'll let you go first. What you got for a rating? I'm going to come in with... Uh, and. I, I, again, like I did with uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, uh, which will be available this... I don't know when you're dropping this. This weekend, um, I am going to grade it on a curve because the the industry has changed. The approach to filmmaking has changed since this film's release. This set a lot of the standards and uh, for its place in history and the things that they were able to accomplish. And I had read that it was 1919 when they filmed this. Um, But regardless of that time period, uh, being able to do the things that they were able to do, this is going to get a 9.9. Nice. Larry, I am not disappointed in you at all, bud. Yeah. Steven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this this movie still fucking holds up. I mean, this this is a first-time watch, but I, I got the creep effect, like, right from the start, and I love, like, the way Caesar looks and certain shots of him, like, when he's got the girl. That was actually, like, the first time... 
see, even before I knew what this movie was, I always saw that image of Caesar holding the girl like by his hip. And I was always like, where the fuck is that from? You know, I just ne- could never figure out. But uh, between like that and the set design, it's just truly captivating. And I definitely can only watch this movie in like the dead of like night. I'm talking like early fucking hours of the morning or something like that. Because it, it is like the perfect watch before bed for me. Um, I think I'm going to have to give this like a 9.5. I seriously love this movie. It was amazing. So yeah, 9.5. Fucking Steven came positive. <laughs> <laughs> Is this because of my 9 rating for uh, Psycho? I'm never going to forgive you for that. Yeah, God. For that. That's a perfect movie, Steven. Yeah. Listen, it's a fantastic movie. Get your I... fucking shit together, Steven. Sierra, <laughs> rating. Two. No, I'm kidding. I just wanted to see this movie fucking boring. I just wanted to see it. What if I came in and that's what I gave it? Sierra fucking like, or Erica raised a fist when Sierra said two. Yeah, she's like, she's like, and that was the time that you got duffed and it wasn't over Smash Bros. I didn't. It was one time, guys. Stop. I'm so sorry I hit you that one time, Dylan. I punched Kyle for last. Uh, You're good. I would like to see this film remade. Um, with uh, nothing but Smash Mouth music. <laughs> he can play that. He can play it almost on any instrument, including the skin flute. What? <laughs> he didn't catch on to that. He's thinking skin flute, huh? <laughs> I just pictured. I'm sorry. I'm picturing Dylan with a wiener in his mouth, humming All Star, and I can't. I just said it. I said it, and now I have that realization. Stop thinking about me with a dick in my mouth. I can't. Sometimes you just gotta start and end. And with that, uh, great night. Thank you for listening. Uh, this was Horror Eating Podcast. Okay, is it my turn? Oh, yes, yeah, it's your turn. Yes. Sorry. Side the hell? D's gotta fuck. What? D's gotta weigh in. Me? No, you? Big D. Big D? Okay, Big D's weighing. There you go. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this movie is good. It's alright. It wasn't bad. It was great. It holds up to this day, you know? It's Ooh, I'm gonna super great. punch you over the balcony. Ah, does it get a ten? Does it get a nine? Does it get an eight? A six? A four? Oh, I don't know. It's alright. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Erica's looking at me like you better not fuck this up. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, great, grand, perfect. Erica's like looking at me like I have to keep improving it. Um. I think alone the set design deserves a like that's like ninety percent of the score the set design, um, and I think I think that the way they went about doing the makeup in such like a almost cartoony way was was really interesting. Um, now I don't necessarily think it's scary, but I think it's eerie, which is awesome for us old as it is because a lot of those older movies don't even come across the eerie. They just come across, like they're fun, you know? Um, I, I give it a 9.99. She was looking at you, wasn't she? <laughs> I'm giving, I'm giving laser eyes like hard as fuck right now. Nine. <laughs> Sarah's like, so this is what this feels like. <laughs> nine point nine, Sierra. No, a 9.99. I love how you dicks can't just give it a 10. Go. <laughs> I love how you had to rope dick in there one more time. Everybody else is doing it. Might as well jump on the dick bandwagon. Dick. Uh, jump on the dick, the big dick. <laughs> dick wagon. The Let's big... all just jump on the dick wagon. The big dick wagon. <laughs> Nobody egg, said anything about wagon. jumping on the big D wagon. Larry, get my back here. Come on. Larry, are you jumping on the big D wagon? No one's jumping on any big D wagon. <laughs> Erica, rate this movie. Ever. I'm giving this bitch, okay, for real, on the real, 
This has hands down been my favorite movie that we've ever covered. Damn. Ever. No, mine was definitely Carnival of Souls, sorry. I, like, love you to death, but Carnival of Souls. No. She was like, oh, that's cool, but you're fucking wrong. Um, You're wrong. (laughs) She wasn't like, no, it was Texas Chainsaw. You fucking suck. We're covering that in October, bitch. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to give it a four. Oh, shit. Nine, nine, nine. That's a that's point zero one from a ten. What did you do with that point one, huh? I gave point it to zero you one. for your birthday. Put it on the big dude trade. <laughs> when, I, when I rate it, I get to give it a ten point one because there's your point one. Okay, there you go. That's fair. Ten point one for Erica. <laughs> Highest rated. But anyway, as I was saying. Alright. Before I tried to fight Sierra. Uh, this is really. So it's, dick. it's been. Wow, everything's about dicks tonight. I'm a dick tonight. Dick Haven. Dick Haven, renaming. <laughs> dick Haven. <laughs> Haven of dicks. Ew. Your dick is safe here. <laughs> it's Dick Haven. Now while I'm around. Sierra's punching things like she's gonna beat Dick, but not in, like, the good way. She did not feel good being intimidated by her vote. <laughs> she's she's trying to take that power back. <laughs> it's a power struggle for sure right now. That battle of the late. It's a dick measuring contest. <laughs> Are you taking pictures of my tattoos? Yes. No, it just pictures of your dick. Um, Nobody take pictures of dicks. Everybody send Larry dick pics. I don't care who they belong to. Send him some once. It was subject nudes. <laughs> Were you oh, really oh. opening that without like thinking about it first and just like dick pics click? No, it, it was like, well, I guess I'm going to see what the big D's all about. <laughs> I'm really to say something, but I'm not going there. I'm not going there. Erica, continue. Anyway, this was definitely, this is, hands down, this has been my favorite movie that we've covered. I just think that from an artistic standpoint, it was flawless. Like, I really don't have any single thing to say negative about it. I really just was completely blown away by this movie. And for it to be, like, like thanks, Sierra's trying to redeem herself hard right now. I said hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I just it's it's on a it's on a totally different level, and I think that just obviously it being considered the first horror movie, it's it's literally the foundation. And I hate using the word foundation anytime I'm on with Larry because usually <laughs> we end up discussing the Tower of Titties. <laughs> there we go. We got it in. That's what she said. But anyway, um, the Tower of Titties. If you haven't check out that uh, episode, I, but that is not a Horror Haven episode, that is <laughs> I, I was gonna say, it, it, I was kind of hoping that he was gonna be like, hey, can I pull one of these titties out right now? It's the 1920s. Just he was one of these, creeping like, hard. Can we just... He was, he was like, he was staring at her for a minute before he fucking, like, made up his mind. He was like, maybe if I just whip a titty out before I kill her, it'd be okay. It would be weird. But then he just, he just, he just took the whole bitch. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is all my bitch. <laughs> I when they showed that scene originally, like obviously due to the quality of it, I thought like if you look at her bed, it had all of the um that mesh and everything like all over the backdrop of her bed. I literally thought that all of that was part of her dress, and it looked like you know like kind of like the you ever see I don't know if anybody's ever seen this but they do like wedding photos sometimes where they spread the bride's dress all around her so it kind of like looks like she's laying in it yes and that's what it looked like it looked like they like maybe that was all of her dress and they just had draped it over the headboard and over the footboard of the bed so when he picked her up I'm like this bitch is gonna eat it down these steps carrying her because she's trailing toilet paper behind her but he didn't he stole the bitch and didn't fall I need to check <laughs> I want to know. I want to know what made him think that he could he could run with her under one arm though. He was awfully small to oh, be you never one armed with a bitch. Oh. Dylan, you never. <laughs> Who was that? Oh. 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 What bitch are you one armed? You ain't never one armed with a bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! 
I'm glad to know I bring the worst out of you guys. I think I made it. All, <laughs> like, all train of thought. Everything's right out the window. Goddamn. Look at her being a um, bitch down the stairs with her crazy dress. I just, yeah. No, I, I thought that, one, I really liked that scene a lot. I thought it was a really interesting scene. But I thought her dress was just a lot larger than it was. So I was a little bit surprised when we picked her up and it didn't all come with her. Um, but it, overall, like I said, it, this movie was just, for me... It was, it, it's the one of, it is the, hands down, like, honestly, it's probably the best film I've ever seen. I just, I can't get over how much detail was in this movie for its age, and it was so well put together, and it's like, for me, when the ending tied in everything down to the backdrops, kind of, it was just like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I just think it was, it was extremely ahead of its time, and I just, I don't know, it was so awesome. So it's a ten point one. It's a ten point one because fuck you, that's why. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna agree with Eric. I'm not gonna give it a ten point one, but I, it's a ten for me for sure. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, it, it's one of my favorite movies for sure. Uh, pretty much for all reasons we've covered. I'm not gonna repeat myself. It's just such an atmospheric movie and. My brother stabbed Dylan in the ass with a pen a long time and ago. Steady, we were all there. <laughs> And now my brother's on his way to the ER because he thinks one of his nuts is twisted. It's fucking payback. It's from when I dropped him in the fucking hallway in, like, 10th grade. With After a he rear... stabbed you in the ass with a pen. Yeah. I dropped that motherfucker. <laughs> he penetrated you? He did. He penetrated me right in the ass. He made him... Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Um... <laughs> this is a horrifying episode, you guys. This is the scariest episode. We're learning a lot about each other tonight, guys. You one arm and bitches. Like to put their genitalia. So far, I are safe from all Mountain Dew bottles. Grossness. I, that's the only thing I don't have a penis. If I had one, I'd be on this bandwagon. Trust me. She'd be on the big D train too. We'd all be on the big D train. Uh, no, but I, I, I don't understand how, or not, I shouldn't say I don't understand. I give you guys credit for watching this movie three separate times because it, it dragged on a little bit, and I think it's just because, um, one, we watched the one, the one we watched, the cue cards were really fucking long, so, like, I'd read something, and I'd just be sitting there waiting for it to fucking end. Those were so, okay, so. Yeah! Those things were works of art completely on their own. They were amazing. The title cards were probably one of my favorite things about this movie. The typography on them and everything was awesome. But Sorry they dragged your movie on. <laughs> but No, seriously though, I had to turn my sharring gun eyes off for this one. I'm sitting there reading it. I'm like, oh, okay, come on, next, get to it. <laughs> Steven, how were you reading it? It was in German. What? The subtitles. Oh, okay. I thought he was, like, saying that he was reading, like, no, but the they, title cards. No, we watched, it was in English. Yeah. Oh, no, I read it, I read it in German. It had English subtitles, but... Yeah, same, same. It had the same cue cards that they had in German, but they were written in English. Oh. Yeah. yeah. We made it easy, fuckers! Why? It had subtitles? It's not like I was Google translating the fucking title cards. We are the smart ones. Erica's just like, I had no idea what was happening in this movie. It looked good, though. It was awesome. <laughs> no, but, I mean, uh, as far as the filmmaking of the movie, uh, the visuals, the story, the acting, I literally have zero complaint. And if I have zero complaint, it's a 10 for me. Wait, what was the girl's name in the version you watched? The main girl. What was her name? Why would... Was it different in different places? What was she credited as? It was her Her name in the movie yeah. was Jane Olsen. Olsen. Okay, okay. Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't hear when you read off the names, I didn't hear, like... Yeah, it was done by Lil... Lil Dagover? Yo, that's my favorite rapper. It's a little way. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite rapper. (laughs) All right, Larry, where can people find you? (laughs) Oh, well, you can find me and and my... Oh, wait, yeah, hang on, hang on, hang on. You don't... One-year anniversary and we're acting like noobs. That's the dick talk. It is the dick. Song. It is a 9.9. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. That is not bad. It is not fair. Um, it's no, not bad. Stop it's it. It's fair. You can't Steven, say that, Steven. Steven and Larry, first off, both of you sounded like the same person for like a second there, and that tripped me the fuck out. <laughs> I'm telling you, Mountain Dew bonding experience. Or- <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm, I'm going to tell you right us. now. If, if I were a younger, thinner man... I would be Steven. Hmm? Hmm? 
future. <laughs> this is future Steven coming to you. Give good advice quick. Yeah, um, always pull out. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That is I got some advice you could ever give a young man. <laughs> yeah. And make sure you get verbal and nonverbal consent. Jack. Absolutely. <laughs> Yo, you. I'm going to invent business cards that girls have to sign, so y'all can stay the fuck out of trouble. Like you just carry them in your pocket, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna need you to sign this. <laughs> it's just get out of. Did you get out? It's of a get out of jail yeah. free card. Yeah. <laughs> you would find me is by going to industry.com. That is the website that I run. We've got a shit ton of shows over there that you can check out. I do quite a few. I don't just talk horror films, which is a common misconception. It's just that's the one that I'm most proud of because that's what I've been in love with for as long as I can remember. Um, because I feel like that's right up your alley. We can all we start, we're starting. Let's start a sex talk show. <laughs> talk dirty with us. That's what we're naming it. There's show. kids in the popcorn right? That's all. No. just extra butter yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you can check out the horror show that I do it's called Creature Features and uh, I just started a new show on Creature Features which sounds weird but um, essentially Creature Features I talk about the history of horror with my new show The Screaming Room I review new films uh, specifically within the independent horror genre uh, this episode I did uh, The Elf Dreaming Purple Neon and Volumes of Blood Horror Stories, and I interviewed uh, the creator of Volumes of Blood Horror Stories, PJ Starks, that is available right now. If you want to hear Dylan and Sira, um, they are going to be on the most recent episode of uh, Creature Features, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. If you want to hear me and Miss Kuhau, you can also check out our review of Village of the Damned, which, uh, you know, is a lot more of this. Uh, just dick jokes and just silly tomfoolery. And, you know, we do talk about... Uh, that he uses the term tomfoolery. What? <laughs> <laughs> I am tomfoolery, Sierra. Yeah, you're cute. Can we just start referring to them as Johnson jokes to make Dylan uncomfortable? Please stop. Everybody <laughs> chant it, Johnson. Johnson, Johnson. Uh, I said everybody chanted and nobody fucking chanted it with you. Having flashbacks from baby bats when they use Johnson & Johnson. Uh, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horror Haven Podcast or on Twitter at Horror underscore Haven. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, leave us a review if you like what you heard. Or if you didn't like it, you can give us a one star and say, like, fuck these guys, they suck. They're but, dicks! Yeah. Please the annoyance level of my voice. <laughs> um, tune in next week. We're going to be back to modern horror, which I'm kind of sad about. I'm a little excited. I think I'm ready for Mars, for something something new. Uh, we're going to be covering the movie It Follows, so watch out for that. All right, have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> night. Yas, queen. <laughs>